previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. The way that bats are made now, if you get a line drive hit back at you, she's coming hard. And it's probably going to hurt you and do some damage to you if you don't have that protection there. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Episode 81 of the Sports Refuge is on the feed, and we're back to talk with guests about their connection to sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. During my time at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, I met a number of people who I call friends to this day. While I may not speak or see them as often as I did during my time on campus, the bonds still remain. One group of people I try to stay in contact with were fellow classmates and English majors, many of which I bonded with over the long nights of studying and test prep for a number of classes. Initially, the premise for this episode was to get several members of our old study group together, but due to scheduling issues, I was only able to get Kenny Brown and Linwood Outlaw for this interview. My plan will be to get the remaining guests for a part two interview as well. In this episode, Linwood and Kenny discuss what led them to UMES, how they chose to become English majors, some of their pursuits and internships in the field of journalism, and what it was like being roommates. And now, my interview with Kenny Brown and Linwood Outlaw. We're going back to the past at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and this time my guests are Kenny Brown, who you guys may have seen on the NFL Playoff Preview live stream talking about his Las Vegas Raiders. Kenny, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. Hopefully everything's going well. My next guest also, you've seen him on here a few times. He's been in four episodes of the podcast, a couple of two-parters. This is Linwood Outlaw. He's also contributed to the blog as well, and I'm glad to have you here as well, Linwood. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Earl? Things are all right. I already did some grilling, too, already. It's almost time for some crabs. (laughs) You know what? I I am not a fan of, like, picking the crabs, but you give me crab cakes, I'm there. I'm just not a fan (laughs) of picking them. Oh, man, you got to get somebody to teach you the easiest way to open them, man. You can go through them things real fast. <laughs> yeah, I know take the claw and go through and tear through and say tear through the shell to, to pick the meat out, but I feel like there's a million ways to do it. <laughs> Give me one time, man. I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the topic of this episode, we were looking to get a lot of people. We were pretty much, as English majors, in a study group like the TV show community, except actually it was really funny, the stuff that went on in our group. But we had a couple of things going on, and I know we had a few other guests we were going to get, and hopefully we'll get them for another time. But the one of the things we wanted to talk about, just our experiences at UMES being English majors, and it feels like the English department and the major itself doesn't get as much love as the HRM, the music stuff, which um, unfortunately is having its issues, and really the the biology stuff, all the medical people. Everybody else is, gets their love when it comes to their majors, but it feels like the English department and, and the journalism side doesn't get it. Yeah. So I wanted to start this off. We'll start with Kenny first and then go into Linwood. How did you end up at UMES? I applied for it. Definitely wasn't at the top of my list, um, but I applied for it in a couple of other colleges too. And um, to me, they were the first ones to get back. And time was running down for me to make a decision as far as where I wanted to go because of logistics and all that stuff. So I made a conscious effort and decided to go. My top, so I wanted to stay home and and go to school, but my pops wanted me to go away to go to school, I guess, because, you know, I was growing to be a man and things like that. So, but yeah, that's how I ended up in the Eastern Shore. How about you, Linwood? (laughs) Um, 
I'm kind of like embarrassed to say is around like my senior year, I didn't really put a lot of stock into a certain school. You know, I think how, you know, how some people in, in your senior class, they kind of knew what school they wanted to go to or they had all their eggs in one basket. Like I have to get into this school or, you know, I want to go to this school for this major. I honestly really didn't have a particular school in mind. I think it was when my stepmom had gave me a bunch of brochures and one of them was for Eastern Shore. And she said, well, just pick a school in the state and we'll take you for a tour. Me and uh, me, my stepmom and my dad. So I picked Eastern Shore. I just said, OK, we'll just go to Eastern Shore. And I went there. I think it was like October 2000. I think that's around the time of the start of the school year. They had a lot of events going on. I happened to go there on the day where there was a lot going on on campus. And they hadn't even had the new, you know, the student activity center that opened up when we got there our first year. That wasn't even up. And that day, it was so much fun, man. Like it, it, everything that the tour was on point. It was a really good tour, and I was like, "Hey, that was the first time I actually ever been to a campus environment on any campus like like that. Like I had never even been to, to College Park's campus, Bowie's campus, anything like that. That was the first college campus I ever set foot on. And the tour went so well, and when we was driving back, I was like, you know what? It's close enough to home where I could get back when I needed to and further enough away where I felt like I could get that like going away college experience. You know what I mean? So I felt like it was the perfect trade off in that sense. So I pretty much had made up my mind that I was going to go to Eastern Shore after that tour. I applied to other schools like I applied to Bowie. I applied to Frostburg. Uh, and I think with Bowie, I had to do a summer program. In order to get in. And I think with Frostburg, I had to start a semester late. So I think they had a lot of incoming freshmen that year and they um, wouldn't be able to accommodate me until I think January after that that Christmas break. And we used to show I didn't do anything. I got in, I, I didn't have to do a summer program. I can come straight down. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, hey, I tried a couple other schools. So that really what, you know, that made my mind up. And they had an English major. And I felt that was good enough for me. I didn't really think about like, you know, journalism programs. Um, I know there was there are a lot of schools around the country that have really good journalism programs. I figured like, look, they have English. That's good enough for me. I saw that they had courses in radio and television. So I was pretty much like, hey, I, I'm going to settle on this. And I was pretty much sold after that. That's how it all got started. It was really like about a month or two into my senior year. And we went on for the tour. I like what I saw. I felt like it was further enough away from home, but not too far away. And I went with it. My story is this. I I probably started applying senior year. I was sort of eh, in high school. I was just sort of like didn't care enough. I had like a 2.6 grade point average because I felt like I was bored in high school. But um, yeah, I applied to UMES. I applied to Salisbury. I applied to Frostburg. I applied to Washington College. I applied to College Park. Got in all five. UMES gave me loans. Other than that, Frostburg gave me something. Washington College gave me a bunch, but it still wouldn't have covered everything. Salisbury hardly gave me anything. Maryland gave me work study. And that was pretty much it for those schools. Then all of a sudden, a scholarship came, which was for something in, related to science, which, again, probably, I uh, look back at it, it's a good way to get in the door. But, uh, yeah, science was definitely not my thing. So I pretty much had like a three-point-something grade-point average. I was going to lose a scholarship anyway. That summer, I went to... The head of the computer science department said, I'm changing my major. I go to what? 
I can't think of what it was. Well, maybe it was JT Williams. I went to a few places. I went there, got my paperwork, went up to Dr. Keenan's office, had him sign the switch my major over, and that was pretty much it. So that fall sophomore year, I started as an English major. Kenny, why did you end up picking English? I know we heard Linwood's uh, perspective why he chose it, but what about you? My first major that I picked was computer science. And um, before I even decided to do uh, English, and um, the reason for the switch was I was following in the footsteps of my father. He was in the IT field. So I figured I'd go into the IT field and, and try to be, you know, a network engineer or something. I think that was my profession that I chose coming out of high school that I wanted to do. But then, you know, when, when you start meeting people, networking with people, and then also finding out new schools and things like that while you're down there, students that got new majors and new directions. Um, Linwood, he was a roommate of mine my freshman year. He was an English major, and uh, he was telling me about, you know, his lane and his plans of going in off into, like, in the broadcast field. And that was something that I always wanted. I always enjoyed, like, talking sports and writing. That was my biggest thing, I always, like, writing and stuff, like, you know, stuff with words and stuff, poems and things like that. So I decided to um, change my major. Spring semester freshman year, I changed my major to uh, English. And that's how I got on that. And with, with the inspiration of my man, Winwood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell you, it, it's crazy, man. Just the people you meet, they can have a big influence on you. Uh, and I wish I had roommates, actually, like freshman year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> First impressions of you and me as stepping on campus. I know, Linwood, you talked about it as well. The time you went. How about you, Kenny? Yeah, it was it was a pretty good college. I had a cousin that, that went there. So I actually saw the car. I didn't really have to take a tour or nothing like that. I um just went out there and, you know, my cousin gave me gave me the whole rundown and stuff like that. So, you know, I knew about the school before I actually, you know, chose to go there. It just wasn't at the top of my list. But once I committed and I went out there and, and told him I was going, he was happy. He showed me around. The campus, you know, for real, for real, is really nice. Um, They really keep up with the, the appearance of the campus and everything like that. And that's really the good thing about it. The campus is beautiful. It still is. I had went down there. I had to drop my cousin off not too long ago. I rode down with my dad and we drove him back, actually. Um, he stays um, in Wakamako. So <laughs> I actually went there just to see if everything still looked the same. It still looked a little bit the same, but the campus is still the same. It's very beautiful, very nice. That was really my first impression. Um, when I first got down there, my first day, that was at, like the actual day when it was like, all right, I'm down there on my own. My parents actually won't be leaving me down there. <laughs> My whole uh, concern at that point, I was like, man, where the barbershop? Like, I remember I was asking, like, so many people that. And then when I was like, that's what I really got to realize, just how small the community was. Um, right. And, like, we had to, like, you know, get folks on campus to cut our hair. Like, I remember we used to go, like, to laundromat. Yeah. And I think it was Kent used to cut our hair in, um, in court. Yeah. So I was out there, then in subsequent years, we would go in uh, in laundromat or I'd go run to a barber at, at his dorm or whatever. Or, you know, he'll go, um, go to his dorm room and get my hair cut or whatever. Standing behind like four other dudes waiting to get their cuts. So I remember that was the biggest thing for me, man, because I didn't even have a car really until I think like my last year at Eastern Shore. So, I mean, thank goodness, you know, I knew Kenny and, um, and Dre and all that, like everybody else that who had a car, man. Thank y'all. Kenny, I thank you again, man, for giving me rides and helping oh, me yeah. out. We really appreciate that. Like I said, I didn't even get a car until my last year. I was only because of my aunt. So, 
but yeah, that was the biggest thing. It was like, wow, like that's when you really realize, like, wow, we are in a small community. Uh, we gotta take shuttle buses to get to the mall. So those things, it was um getting used to. And I remember we used to like go there like every weekend. Used to go to Salisbury Mall by right. shuttle. It was like we were so used just to, to ride. just to do something, you know. Yeah, the cabs is dead on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, my first week. We didn't do anything. Like, I think we didn't have any classes. I think we started, I think we had the whole week until the upper class member turned, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And like, we were in the freshman. So all we did all week was just either stuff in the student activities. And I think we had like a bus trip to Ocean City. I did all of that. Like I did, like, I went to like the student activity stuff. They had, I think they had a movie like every night or every week in that theater, which was nice. It's crazy because our freshman year, the world changed with 9-11. Yep. Everything that's when that's when 9-11 happened. 9-11, Aaliyah dying. I remember that's like one of the first or second Saturdays we were there. And like I walk out from uh Court Plaza, everybody seems like they're in like a daze and I'm wondering what's going on. And then somebody mentioned Aaliyah died. I'm like, wow. Yeah, you know. Kenny had told me when I came back in the dorm room, I was like, Man, I know that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I turned to MTV and sure enough, man. I'm talking about it was a lot of heartbroken people walking around campus for like a month behind <laughs> that. It, it just really set a sad tone. And then the, the 9-11 event. So, yeah, that was, it's just when you think about it, it's like, man, that's that's crazy. Like, it all just started right at the top of our, our first year. That's crazy. I'll never forget that. Yeah, I'll tell you this. My first impression of you only, I actually went there for like a middle school thing. So I remember the football field, the clusters, Wilson Hall, I think Court Plaza was there. Nuttall was definitely there. SDC, that was it. There was just empty space where uh, the SSC and the High Center would be. That it was just nothing there. It was just you had them bleachers and you had that walkway to the clusters and just empty field, empty open field. So that was like 1996. That was 1996 because I remember it was a summer camp and the the Orioles were uh, back in the playoffs. So I, I remember that year. So again, it feels weird. I always have to uh, use some sporting event to make it significant of what where I was at that time. But um, biggest thing you learned from your experience at UMS. And before we go into that, I just got to say, did you go to Leon when he was cutting hair? Probably once or twice, I think. I, I had to at least go a couple of times, I think. Woody was my guy uh, cutting my hair for the rest of the time, uh, you and me, as after that. Yeah, yeah I, ain't, I ain't had no problems. I uh, I had braids back then, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> now, going into the biggest thing you can take away from your experience at you and me, as. Um, Biggest thing, really being away from home, learning how to make the right decisions based upon your wants and your needs and, and things like that. Priorities. Um, definitely. It's one of the big things I took, you know, still to this day, I'm conditioned. I, I can't go on a vacation or I can't go shopping or do anything unless my priorities in order. And, and that's that balance I have. My mind can't rest until I have all my priorities taken care of and, and the peace of mind and things like that. that's one of the biggest things like my, my freshman year, first semester, and then we'll tell you, yeah, he, every time I come in the room, he he's studying and doing his work. And, and me, I'm leaving out in the room like three, four in the morning. <laughs> and um, that first semester, I blew it. But after I got put on academic probation and, you know, I learned that this is real. 
and I could go home, you know, if I don't get it right. It really taught me um, priorities. They put me in a um, program to help me balance life and then, you know, doing my work and doing my studies and stuff like that. That was one of the biggest things um, that uh, I still carry to this day. And I try to instill that in my kids. How about you, what? Um, a lot of the things that Kenny took away from the first thing was responsibility. Man, the one of the things I struggle with the most and still kind of struggle with is that it was just getting up on time. Like we had to get up like super early, man. Like my first year, I was late to so many of those like eight o'clock classes. It was almost like it was expected. I was a walk in the door, like everybody, teachers, the other students like, yep, he come right on schedule <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. But it was really like the first time, like I didn't have like my father running into a room talking about, hey, get up. You know, it's time to go to school or something like that or whatever. I mean, that's how I was. I mean, it was really me taking care of myself, making sure I got myself fed. And I remember like before I went, got down there, man, my stepmom and my mom used to lecture me about a lot of things, like as far as eating the right foods. I remember my stepmom even tried to teach me how to cook some things. And it was like, it just all went in one end out the other. I was a senior. I just, I was just happy to be getting out of school, moving on to the next phase in life. But all that stuff came to roost my first year at Eastern Shore. Because I saw every day, it was like, I could eat hamburgers and fries every day at the cab if I wanted to. They give you that choice. I was skipping right over all the healthy stuff, like salads and whatever else. It was all there, but I skipped over it. So I had the freedom to eat what I wanted to. But at the same time, I learned about responsibility in terms of eating the right thing and keeping myself disciplined and also keeping myself disciplined in my studies. You know what I'm saying? Like I did take my academics seriously. I didn't think about things like academic probation or anything. I just wanted to pass my classes because I was intimidated by the college curriculum when I got down there, believe it or not. Even though that was like my first semester Eastern Shore was probably the easiest I ever had. It was really easy when I look back on it, but I was still intimidated because it was new. It was a new curriculum, new courses, new expectations, because they looked at us like adults, whereas in high school, they looked at us like kids. You know, they remind us about assignments and things like that. We didn't have those reminders at Eastern Shore. So I just wanted to make sure I was staying on top of my things, at least passing my courses, or at least, you know, being able to follow my courses. So I think that it was that first semester really helped me to get acclimated to college. It, was, it wasn't too difficult that I couldn't keep up with, but at the same time, it was difficult enough to let us know what it was like. And I think it helped me really to grow with each semester. So that's what I really appreciate it. So I learned a lot about responsibility, you know, honoring your choices. You know, listen, you know, some people probably entertained transferring and things like that, but I didn't feel like I needed to. You know, I felt like, you know, I had the curriculum that I needed. Once I found out that I could get into internship opportunities, Meeting Miss Burkle was big for me and for a lot of students because she showed us the way, man, like, you know, and really gave us a lot of valuable insight that we could have gotten really on any other college campus. You know, she has a wealth of experience and I really appreciated that. I appreciated her guidance, her mentorship in a lot of ways, looking back on it. And that really just really made me want to stay for real. Um, not that I haven't seriously entertained it, but if I ever did have any thoughts about transferring, they were gone after I met Ms. Burgle because I really felt confident that I could still get to where I needed to go at Eastern Shore. So it was really just staying the course, honoring your choices, and taking pride in being from the HBCU. I still take pride in being from the HBCU. That was a lot. I mean, just look, just thinking back on it, I, I learned a lot of things. Um, but, you know, it was mainly all rooted in responsibility and, you know, taking every opportunity to make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, I think for me, it was 
really trying to balance everything like you were talking about. At one point, freshman year, I was trying out for the baseball team. I was doing the academic team, and I was doing drama. And so I'm doing one night I'm doing the play, one night I'm doing the academic team. After I noticed I can't get up at 630 in the morning to do baseball stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm fine there. It was only a pipe dream. But, you know, it was something to say I tried out for baseball at UMS. But, um, but yeah, honestly, I feel like the thing is if you balance your time, there's plenty of time to get everything done and still be able to do as many things as you want because – well, sophomore year, then I'm doing radio station, still doing academic team, still doing drama and things like that. Those, and you know, so like every other night, it's like it's something going on. Plus, I still want to try to be sociable and, you know, hang out with friends and, and things like that. And I, I know you guys were talking about taking a shuttle to the mall. For me, some nights, Saturday nights, we'd go because the Royal Farms wouldn't stay open 24 hours like every other Royal Farms would be. And We'd end up driving to Wawa or Taco Bell like two or three o'clock in the morning on Saturday night just to grab food because that's the time, you know, we're in the clusters. Yeah, you've already had the freshman 15. So what's another 10 pounds? So that's what it was to me. Yeah, and I guess the biggest thing was you can surprise yourself when you put a little effort into something because I know we're going to get into the late night study sessions because, you know, have we actually did a lot more work where we didn't have to study late at night till four or five o'clock in the morning, writing papers and everything. It would have been so much easier just to have a little more time to chill and relax. I feel like now my goal more so as a reporter, it was to try to do stuff little by little by little by little. So I don't end up waiting in the last minute to write something. But to me, that was, probably the biggest experience and that and your experience is what you make it you know there's plenty of people i know who still complain about going to UMS and talk about it not donating money is one thing but if you're saying you hate your experience that's probably more you problem than anything else you had your opportunities to leave you had your chance to do more stuff if something isn't to your liking then you can either find an option or or make your own option there's plenty of people who make clubs and stuff but uniquely defined, I was spearheading a lot of stuff on the LGBTQ front that was started at UMS well ahead of its time, probably at some other campuses. But at HBC, it was probably definitely needed. But, you know, some things, if you can't find something, you got to do it. Honestly, like, look, man, we all had our phases of complaining about something. Everybody everywhere does it, first of all. I mean, mm-hmm. if people who go, who probably went to big schools, probably complained about this, that, and the this, they didn't like this or that. You know, there are people who leave big schools for other big schools because it, it's not to their liking. You know what I mean? But in all honesty, man, like, look, me, I'm a shy, quiet, humble person by nature, right? So Eastern Shore, truthfully, was a perfect school for me. It was a small school. It was in a rural, secluded environment. I mean, I honestly did feel at home there. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't out there like that. But um, I felt like it did fit my personality and my my speed to an extent. You know what I mean? And just looking back on it, it really did. I probably didn't acknowledge it as much back then, but it did, you know, for sure. I felt like it did. Um, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I like, you know, just simple days, like going to class, going to the cafe with Kenny and Dre, coming back to the room, watching NBA games. Like, I was straight with that like you know what i mean like i was good um going to the occasional parties i mean we had we had a good balance of fun i felt like looking back on it to me and yeah and i mean like when kenny talked about going partying and hanging out yeah he did do that but you know what we were all new to school i mean that's part of the experience man like i just feel like we all did different stuff there because it was new it was a new environment you know what i mean so there ain't no shame in, in hanging out it's just that me personally like yeah, I just happened to, to be studying. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't failing out. 
I know I ain't want to bring no bad home, no report call home to my father talking about I failed. Oh, I failed the first semester. So that's how it was for me, man. But yeah, I just feel like looking back on it, like it was the right school for me in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it, it was it was a pretty dope experience. I just think we got tested by the workers who worked there that made us, you know, <laughs> spaz out in the room and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear we talk about some of them situations, man. Is people really used to tries, man? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. One of the things I wanted to get into next in discussion, uh, as I call it, like you see in the yearbooks, the superlatives. This is for us English majors. They are English superlatives. First thing I want to start off with: favorite teacher, and I'll start off with you, Kenny. Miss Burkle. Miss Burkle. Um was very um, inspiring. I appreciated her honesty. You know, she really uh, connected me with my, um, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but internships, but it was because of her. When I think about my college days, I um, think about the internship she got me into, working with um, the George Michael Sports Machine and NBC4, the sports department. And, um, you know, I'll talk about that when we go into that. But in just her classes, and I was really, really into the broadcasting. And, you know, her classes were very interesting to me. And um, a lot of her techniques, even though I'm not in the broadcast industry and things like that, I do a lot of writing in my job, my day-to-day job. So a lot of the the writing styles and, and habits that I learned from her, I do incorporate in my work today. But, yeah, I, I would say Ms. Burkle. Yeah, Ms. Burkle, man, for a lot of the same reasons. If I recall correctly, I think that we we were initially supposed to have another professor and not Miss Burkle. I came back to school expecting another teacher and then we had Miss Burkle. Yeah, I think um, that was Yeah, I think I can't I just can't recall the teacher's name. I'm almost certain that I know that Miss Burkle's name wasn't on my schedule. I know it was another <laughs> teacher. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, she wasn't on mine either. I I, yeah. I, I think we in the, we were all in the same class, I think. Uh-huh. I think we were. So we you know we met Miss Burkle. But man, like the things that Miss Burkle exposed us to there, I wasn't even really expecting to be exposed to essentially. Right. Like, you know, I think she required us to do a shadow of like reporters in the area. I remember um, I was shadowing, I believe it was Jason Newton, who now works in Baltimore for WBAL TV. He's from Baltimore. Um, I shadowed him. I got that was the first time I actually been inside of a TV station. You know, met some some of the crew and staff there. I was able to shadow him and hang out with him for the night. And he talked with me about the business and his experiences, also about how Ms. Burkle helped him and, you know, and mentored him. And he talk, spoke very highly of Ms. Burkle. And, you know, she just got us into doing a lot of different things and took us on field trips. Like, I remember we went to uh, to Howard uh, University's career fair one time. I think that was my last. There. We got to go to the press club and see an event there. It was just so many different things that we were exposed to. And she gave us a lot of really good insight. And it just felt authentic. It felt like authentic training. And I felt like we almost got more than what we were bargaining for there. And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting like the typical classroom instructions. But Ms. Burgle took it 10 steps forward and made sure that we got a really good feel for what we needed to do in order to pursue and establish a, a career in this field. And I was so grateful for the things that she did, man. Like, cause she did so much for us to really step up the extra mile that I don't think that most of teachers would have done, not because they're lazy or they're bad professors, but Ms. Burkle had a certain unique feel for the business that probably most professors there didn't have. 
You know what I mean? And I think that she was able to, to open different doors for us. Like I was able to do like two internships. I did one at the Daily Times. I did one at a TV station, WMAR, here back at home. And it was Miss Burkle who got me on the path towards getting those things and really, you know, emphasize the points of getting internships, creating jobs for ourselves before we graduate. And, you know, she helped us out. She was always there. She always put us in a position to do something, to get something published. And it just really enhanced my experience within the major. It really did. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. And when I look back, man, I was 22. And um, a lot of the stuff I was going through, looking back now, you know, I had kind of handled it immaturely. You know, I could have went into the broadcast industry. It was just the fact of leaving home. You know, and the biggest thing she told me is you're going to have to go to the smallest market to actually get started in the broadcast industry. So it wasn't like I didn't have the experience or, or talent or whatever or whatsoever. But it's just the way I handled things, like those trips that I miss. Just being young, man, and, right. and stupid, man. Like when you think you have everything figured out, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, I ain't going to do this. I'm going to do this because I got this internship lined up. So I don't got to go on this field trip. Whereas I could have used that to network and, you know, you never know what could happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you made a good point, man. It's um, like, listen, none of us were in Amherst with the possibility of moving to a small town. Like we were all we were just in a small town for four years. Right. And basically what she was saying was like, yeah, you, that part isn't over yet. You still probably have to go somewhere small and start small. Now, I remember one of our classmates, Ms. Burkle, I remember this was one of the days she was talking with us about those things. One of our classmates was like, yeah, you probably should kind of want to do that because she's like, I don't think I want to go somewhere like the Washington Post and that be my first job. Right. You know what I mean? And um, and it was like, yeah, but back then it was like, nah, man, it's like, I want to go work in a big city. I think that's what it was. I think that we were just in a place where it was like, okay, we kind of starting to get a little tired of being in a small area. I think that's what it was for a lot of people. But I mean, I ended up, my first job was in a town that was like, it felt like it was smaller than Salisbury. I was in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but it was a good first experience. I learned a lot. I had to grow up a lot. I realized how much I didn't know on my first job. And it all harkened back to the lessons that Ms. Burkle was talking about. And that's what the first job is supposed to be for. You know, starting in that small area, starting on a small scale. And today I still recall like, you know, my, the growing pains I went through in my first job, but being in a small area helped because you can make mistakes. You have someone there to point out those mistakes, you know, and it's, it's, you know, yeah, you know, you have to start somewhere. Right. But it's also the growth that has to take place and it's going to take place in those smaller markets. But yeah, I was just like, hey, too, I didn't want to go to, to any small town. I want to go to a, small, a, a big place, too. You know what I mean? We all do. But. You know, like Kenny said, being young man, we just didn't realize it. We didn't understand it. We think we know it all. We think because we we seniors and we get ready, we got all our credits and we get ready to graduate. Can't tell us nothing at that point. Damn. Yeah. Didn't tell me you know when I was a high school senior and I graduated, I thought I was on top of the world that whole summer. And then, and then you know, you get out from Eastern Shore. You know, I, I mean, I spent all that whole summer looking for my first job and ended up in a small community that I was able to get really because of the internship I did with the Daily Times, because it was in that paper, the editor of the Times said, put in a good word for me in Chambersburg, and that's how I was able to get my first job. You know, interestingly enough, if there's a 1A, 1B, 1A is Burkle, 1B, Reddish. Reddish was, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Reddish, the radio class. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, you learned a lot in the radio class just as much as you learned in TV. I, I think, uh, honestly, that helped me pave a way in the, to radio, which, again, I do regret uh, not going into TV. But that's I feel like I saw more along superficial things. And I think, look, now 38 years old. I watch some of these young kids on TV. I could still do it better than them. And I'm 38. So, I mean, I still think I can do it better than some of these kids. And the criteria to be a reporter at WBOC has significantly changed. Toughest teacher that we had. I have a feeling we all know who it is, but I'll let you guys say it first. Uh, Linwood? Dr. Kamen. Oh, okay. For me. Okay. Okay. I think, you know, Dr. Jima was tough, too. She could be tough. But I feel like Dr. Jima kind of learned from the master in that sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because... um. She kind of reminded me of Dr. Keenan in a lot of ways. But what Dr. Keenan did for us there, I think, was I remember one of the things he did was set like the language requirement. Do you remember that? Like, I think we had to take like, I think, four years of a foreign language. Yeah. And back then, it's like, like, we look at it like, come on, man, why do we got to do four years of a foreign language? I, I, it didn't used to be like that from what I heard. I think it was only like maybe one or two years. But when I heard his explanation for it, he was like, you know, he was really trying to make sure that we had as many skills as possible to be competitive in the field. You know what I mean? I didn't look at it like them being young. You know, I was just like, I didn't want to learn things. But when I look back on it and I would see the, the atmosphere he was trying to create and challenging us, he was another one who was like an authentic, passionate professor. You know what I mean? And he created a lot of environment. He created that type of environment in his classroom. And I felt like it was a challenge. His courses were always the most challenging for me. And for me, that's who it was. Looking back on it, it's like, I'm glad that it was as challenging as it was, you know, because I learned a lot when I look back on it, how to be responsible, how to read difficult, like literature that's difficult to, to kind of understand. I kind of went through that with Dr. Keenan's courses. And um, I think we came away from a lot. And you had to apply yourself a lot more than you probably would in a typical class. But in the end, you gained something from it. You got better from it. So for me, that's what it was. It was Dr. King. How about you, Kenny? Is that the teacher that um teach uh English, the dean of uh, the school? Yeah, yeah British. Yeah, he, the eight thirty a.m. British literature class. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say Dr. King. Linwood. I remember when he took the class before me, and he was telling me how it is. But he was the only guy that taught that class at that school. So it was like at some point you you won't have to take him. So. You know, when I took this class, it was extremely challenging for me. Looking back at it, you know, if I could take this class now, I, I'll pass it with a breeze. I was just immature back then, man. So every time, if the teacher rubbed me the wrong way, I ain't going to apply myself. I'm, I'm just checked out. So, you know, I failed a couple of his tests <laughs> and uh, it wasn't looking good for me. So um, I kind of with, withdrew from his class in the middle of the semester or shortly before the middle of the semester. And um, he told me, and I'll never forget this, he t- he signed a paper and he was like, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told me. That's what he told me. So I was like, I remember that too, man. I, remember. I came back to the room like, man, they really trying me, man. <laughs> I remember that. We, we could not believe that, man. We would tripping off the whole night. The whole night, I couldn't believe he said that. So he said that. And um, immediately, dog, like that next year, I actually took the class in Salisbury. So I went and took the class in Salisbury and passed it. And, you know, when I walk across that stage, 
you know, I wanted to say something to him, but I did. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? That's how I got around uh, Dr. Keenan, man. But um, he's a good dude. It's just, I just, I don't got nothing bad to say about him. It's just, um, it just his teaching style just didn't didn't fit me. And I was immature, too, at the same time, so. It was, it was a tough class. I was like that. By the time I found out um, about the Salisbury class, I had, I had by the skin of my teeth finally passed Dr. Kenan. So it was like, hey, I was like, Kenny found out. I was like, man, you could be rolling up there every day to Salisbury. But, like, but, um, like yeah. a late too, man. That came out at like 745. I didn't get back to the crib till like, like a little past 10. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Cause it was like a Tuesday and Thursday class, so it was like an hour and a half. So I had that that whole semester. I had late nights, them days, man. So yeah, that probably wouldn't have fly if it's Tuesday, Thursday. That's academic team for me, so I would never been able to make it. So I mean, I'll tell you this: my toughest teacher, and again, one A's, one B's. Keenan was tough, but honestly, I'll tell you this: it prepared me for my run on Jeopardy. I know enough English lit to at least fake my way through on Jeopardy, but the toughest one was Dr. Jima. But I learned a lot from her. I became a better writer because of her when it comes to papers, when it came to her. Better journalism writer from Berkeley, but I feel like all those times we were told in college, you got to write full information. Honestly, we were super lucky with her papers because... Some places you got to write twice as many pages as we used to write for her. She gives what five, yeah. no more than six or seven. And she then remind us about that too. She will always say that. <laughs> she will always let us know, like, hey, look, like this is really nothing that you got to do for me. Like, she would say that so many times. She was not shy about that at all. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, what I had like what, three or four classes with her. So I had novel East and West with her, literary criticism with her. I had African American lit with her. I feel like there was a fourth class I had with her. Uh, like I said, I had the most people I had the most classes with were her and Burkle, and I only had two with Mignon Anderson. But uh, those Who, are the only two. Who's the African teacher that um, taught world literature? Oh, was I don't that know. I, I got the class met, messed up, but w- the way his class is, <laughs> he come into class, he don't say nothing. He just say hello, and then he go to the board and he put the whole t- answers to the test on the board. Well, so it's, well, well, <laughs> yeah. The whole class, you copy what he put on the board, study the joint for a week, and then take the test. He give you the answers before you take it. <laughs> and I'm mad because I bought the textbook for that day <laughs> class. <laughs> All right, so at what point are we going to use this textbook? I was just sold it back at the end of the year. And yeah, I'm like, dang, I wish I'd have known that. I could have kept it. Yeah, because you, you told me to take the uh, word. You was like, yo, take him. I'm yeah. telling you right now, he put the answers on the board, just copy it and study it. You be good. I got an A in that joint. <laughs> Easy cake. Easy cake. Just go in there. You can't miss a day, though. Can't miss a day. If you do, you got to get notes from somebody. That was yeah. the only thing. Like, yeah. I mean, he'll do that. And then he'll say, do we have any questions? And of course, yeah. if we had questions, we had everything we need on the board. Right. <laughs> hey, look, man, just send us an email. Just just tell us to show up on test day. We don't even need to come in here and do all this. Right. Yeah. <sighs> That was crazy. I his name, man. I forgot his name. Yeah, I think it was uh, uh, Lamenby or something like that. Oh. Hey, Doctor oh, yeah. Cool guy. I mean, he's a cool guy, but it was it right. was it was a unique approach for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember an environmental science class where I, where I had been going every day, and he told us all you have to do is come up the day before the final and the midterm, and, and that's all. I'm like, well, 
Hey, that's all you had to tell me. I had some extra time on Tuesdays and Thursdays where I didn't have to go on except for those days on the midterm and on the the day before the midterm, the midterm, the day before the, the class before the final, the final. That's it. That was the easiest, probably one of the easiest A's I ever got next to history class. Favorite class. Here we go. Favorite class. Mm. Oh, man. Um, how was the, uh, I don't know, uh, still, I don't know his name. I, I only remember Miss Burkle's name, but it was the guy that taught the editing class where we, uh, he let us like edit on the computers, like the whole semester. Like we would watch movies, we'll study like what a bird eye view shot is, or, you know, yeah, all those types. It was literature and film. So yeah. that was that was one of my um, my favorites. I like stuff like that, like um, studying movies and scenes, and he'll test us on what shot is this, or you know, and then other type of editing terminology and stuff like that. But I enjoyed that one. That was one of my favorites. Uh, was it? I think it was what uh, White. I think it was Mister White. I think. Yeah. Like, he had, had a, he had long a beard, beard, glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in that room, they had like the little cubicles up and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't remember. I don't think we got really too far. I know we just saw little bits of like Citizen Kane and Battleship to Attempkin because they show the little stroller rolling down the steps. And I always remember mm-hmm. that when I think of that movie. Yeah, I, man, I feel like we didn't have that. It felt like that class flew by super, super quick. Um, we watched three versions of Romeo, little Romeo with uh, Romeo Must Die, and, and then, um, Romeo with Leonardo DiCaprio and, you know, comparing those two movies and stuff like that. I just like stuff like that. So yeah, it was cool. How about you, Wood? Yeah, so I'm, uh, it's probably the the news writing course was my favorite. But, um, you know, who should also get an honorary mention for like amongst our favorite teachers was uh, Mr. Rose, man. Mr. Rose that um that, that taught those like I think it was like some kind of drama classes or something. The, the broadcast performance class. That's some it. I think that's what it was. Yeah, with it wore the glasses. Yeah, yeah. it was Samuel L. Jackson stand-in for coming to America. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I got bone to pick about that. You know, he got sick one semester and then we just got these classes and he just gave me a B for no reason. I have no reason why. Everybody else got A, but I got a B. I have no idea why. To this day, I'm like, wait, how do I get a B? And yeah, I, got, uh, I got an A, but I wasn't expecting an A. I knew I was going to get a high grade, but I, even I was surprised when I saw the A. I was like, I got an A in this class. Like, Mr. Rose, all right with me, man. But it was the stories, man. The stories you tell about him being in Hollywood, man. And he would show us, like, some days, some, some movies that he was extra. Yeah. Uh, he was an extra in. Like, man. They had like an afro or something because he was bald headed, but they like he had the afro. I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah, his stories, man. Like his stories were like mad, entertaining, and hilarious, man. So like, I almost want to say it's like one of my favorite courses, but bar none, it was it was um all the courses that Miss Burke would taught. It was particularly like the news writing and the you know the TV writing because she used to teach us how to write. News articles and also TV packages, which I needed because I had my my first internship was at a TV station, and I actually got to write um, some um, some TV packages for the newscast towards the end of my internship, which was really cool. And I drew um drew from my lessons from Miss Burkle for a lot of that. Toughest class. I know we mentioned toughest teacher with toughest class. Um, go ahead. I'll let you go. Will. 
it was probably those literature courses. I mean, I'm gonna say it was it was a tie. Um, my uh, my senior year, of course, I would wait to my senior year to take these classes. Right, it was Jima's African American literature and Dr. Keenan's. It was uh, English lit. Matter of fact, I had Dr. Jima twice that semester, so I had mm-hmm. African American literature and world literature, mm-hmm. and I had Dr. Keenan's English lit. They all were like the same level of difficult. Like, so it was, um, I remember you had them. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh man, that semester was the worst. I, I kicked myself, man, because it's like I picked um, early on, I picked all the classes I wanted to take early on. Who's going to tell us no? It's college, we take whatever we want, right? Is you submit the classes, they sign off on the slip, but they don't see any outstanding problems, and you're on your way. Looking back on it, I wish I would have. Um, uh, scheduled those classes um, further apart and like, you know, took them like throughout the years. So that way my senior year, I could have took all the classes I really wanted and was really interested in like TV and radio and stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I had all of those in the same semester and they were all like difficult. They were like the same level. That was easily my hardest semester. It, you take your pick. It was either English lit, world lit, or African American literature. Either way, you can't go wrong. I'm trying to think if we were any of those classes together because, I, like I said, I had a bunch of classes grouped together too. I had a couple of Dr. Jima and, uh, yeah, I had a couple of Dr. Jima, I think, senior year too, even though I might have just sort of like <laughs> first semester, senior year, everything else, I would just sort of like cruise control after that. Yeah. That was that, that semester. I'll never forget that semester. I did it all to myself too. That <laughs> <laughs> like, was a crazy <laughs> Well, they said, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Yeah, yeah, I promise I won't do that again. <laughs> uh, going into the internship discussion, I know, Kenny, you briefly talked about your internship at the Sports Machine. And then what you talked about yours. Then, well, let's talk about yours first, and then and Kenny will talk about the Sports Machine and your, your other internship. Uh, my internship, uh, yeah, my first one was summer before my senior year. It was uh, WMAR, ABC2, here in Baltimore. I applied for it my junior year. I had to go back home to do like, I think maybe one or two interviews. I think it was with, I can't recall who the director was. I think it might've been Steve Weinstein, I think. Really cool guy. We had a really good interview and both times I had good interviews. And the internship, I started that summer. It was it went through the entire summer. So I had to do that and do my part-time job at the library, Pikesville Library. So I was doing both of those things throughout the summer. I even took on like a third job at that time, too, a quiz knows. But the TV station internship was really good. It, w- it started off really slow. It was a lot of shadowing reporters, for the most part, doing gopher stuff, you know, whatever it is, like gopher stuff, making copies of stuff. Um, I remember some, one time I had to run some papers to another building and make sure that they got there on time because somebody else couldn't make it. And that was really what it was about. And then as things went along, I got to do more things. Towards the end, I got to put together like two video packages. I still had the tape for that. I think it's at my dad's. But I got to do two like full stories. I do my own voiceovers, like my own on-site reporting. I got to sit at the anchor's desk. I had to stay late at night for that. Um, I think it was like maybe like around 11, going on midnight. And they helped me put that in my package as well. While, you know, just like an anchor would just read the teleprompter and do those things. And they would give me pointers if we had to do redo the tape. they do that. But they were gracious enough to do that because they didn't have to. They didn't have to accommodate me, but they did. It just took a while for all that stuff to happen. I actually liked shadowing reporters because I did get to see a lot on the scene. The reporters were covering really good stories at that time. I think one of the drawbacks like around the time when the cicadas was out that summer. So like, they were everywhere. Like We were outside that year. But um, 
it was a good experience. I learned a lot and it, I recalled a lot that I learned from Ms. Burkle on that internship. It was my first one, so I wanted to do a really good job and I did good. I think I got an A. I think I got an A. Yeah, I think I got an A for that class. But it was it was the entire summer. I dressed professionally every day. I got to sit in on news meetings to see what they were like. So I got the full experience and they paced me really well. Looking back on it, I was like, hey, I, I never thought I would stop doing gopher stuff or stop shadowing folks. Or some days they just left me at the desk. Like, you know what I mean? Like some days they just like, you know what, bro, just chill, just hang out here for the day. Whatever. And I just used to sit on the computer looking at the internet or whatever. Um I could like ask some reporters some questions I would here and there, but some days I was just really on my own. But looking back on it, I got the full experience. Uh, they were really gracious and uh, they, they taught me a lot. And I got a, a really good experience from that. And it helped me to, again, feel like I was getting the full college experience once I did that. Because I felt like I was getting all the necessary in-classroom training from Ms. Burkle and, you know, to actually get out in the field and learn more and take it to another level and even apply some of the stuff that I learned at Eastern Shore. It was really cool. It was a really cool experience for me that summer. And I really felt like I was really positioning myself to do things. And I had to highlight that on my resume. Um, that's really all I had. I had that. I had the Daily Times internship that I did my senior year, um, which was good. I got to, you know, write some news articles here and there and do whatever duties they needed me to do at the internship. That was another good one at Daily Times Salisbury, which um, Dre also did. It did a really good job for them as a um, sports um, intern writer. Yeah, so those things really helped me get my first couple opportunities. That was like the weight of my resume. It's like now I don't even put those things in my resume anymore. But I remember like those are things I needed to kind of help me get my foot in the door. And they definitely did. Okay, Kenny, what about your experience at the sports machine? What was that like? Because I think me and you had very similar experiences. Yeah, I just want to say, Kenny, that was a cool internship, man. That was a yeah. really cool internship. Yeah, yeah it, it was definitely. Um, yeah, well, I told well, all the stories, man. Everything that Ms. Burkle told us in the classroom definitely happens in the broadcast field. And, um, you know, I just remember, you know, really that internship is really you make it be what whatever you make it be. It's basically you can go in there. They'll tell you the first day you can go in there and and half ass and it's, you won't get as much out of it. But if you go in there and you really want to learn and things like that, you can be exposed to a lot of things. I was in the sports department. I um I charted. Uh, baseball games, golf, any sport, wrestling, NASCAR, <laughs> basketball, football. You know, we charted those games. And basically, my day would consist of I, all the interns uh, prepare for the 11 o'clock show. So we assist the uh, APs, assistant producers, with charting the games and then going in the uh, editing room with the editor. And, and one of the things is you got to know your game. You got to know where all the close-ups at. You got to know all the – if it's baseball, you got to know all the plays to play that. You got to know the time so that – because, you know, we got to prepare for 11 o'clock show, so you only got so much time to put things together and send it to the, uh, the control room to put it out there. And, and I know a lot of interns used to get chewed up by the uh, editors and the AP assistant producers because they really didn't know it. Me, I didn't have no problem with it because I love sports. So it's like I'm sitting here doing something – <laughs> that I love. And I knew all my games and stuff. So we did that. We also uh, participated in the Redskins training camp. So this is when their training camp was out in Ashburn. So I had to get up, go to the station, grab my credentials, grab, this is every morning, grab my credentials, like six in the morning, stopwatch, you know, for, so because we got to manually chart the practices and things like that. 
And, you know, just going out there, this is when Patrick Ramsey and Chad Bailey, that that whole team, the Redskins team, uh, Santana Moss and them like that. So I got a chance to see these players up close and personal, running plays and, and, and doing all this stuff. And then I helped prepare for this, the evening show. So really, I don't really get home every night. I did that. I really don't get home to like probably uh, 11, 12 o'clock at night because I'm doing I'm preparing for all the shows and stuff like that. But definitely I got a great experience from that. And then, you know, the little sporting events that they have here, like Alan Iverson used to throw a, a charity at the Bowie Bay Sox uh, Stadium. And um, he used to invite, like, it's like a celebrity thing. He raised uh, funds and stuff like that. We went there to uh, interview the Wizards, the Wizards like Richard Hamilton and other players that were cool with uh, AI that he invited. So we went out there to cover that and, in the midst of this, I'm seeing Bow Wow and Kevin Garnett and all these celebrities and stuff. And, you know, it was a really cool uh, experience. And um, when we used to chart the games on Sundays. They used to bring in food and stuff and and, and uh, catering food. And we used to sit there, chart, eat and everything. And um, I just wanted like, rest in peace uh, to George Michael because um, he died a few years after that from, I don't know. I know he was sick, but I don't know what it was from. But um he remembered me because I, I I did a couple internships. I did it the summer, like spring before my junior year. So that summertime before I started my third year in college, I did a uh internship and then I went back in the winter semester. And then actually after I graduated, I went back. And you know, George was like, Man, I know you keep coming back, man. I just, I don't got no I don't got a job for you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. So, you know, and then like when I went back after um after I graduated, um, the first thing when he saw me, the first thing he said, Oh man, you cut your cornrows. <laughs> so I mean, but I had a good time. I definitely um got a chance to meet people. I still the person that Miss Burkle knew, I still I talked to her from time to well, we follow each other on like social media and stuff. So Mallory Carlson. Yeah, yeah Mallory Carlson, yep. It's funny. My internship at the sports machine was pretty similar, but I had to do it pretty much. It was uh, super, super truncated. I only did it for five weeks. Just, just couldn't really fit much more in. So that time, even in that first five weeks, my first assignment I had was that Allen Iverson softball game. So I, I talked to AI. Mm-hmm. I talked to LeBron. I talked to Tim Thomas. I talked to Rip Hamilton. I feel like there was somebody else, uh, but yeah, it was crazy. You know, being there and seeing that whole thing. And then my next assignment, my next assignment was Dave Batista was at the like uh, some YMCA in Washington. It was before he, you know, before he became Batista Batista, where yeah. he was just sort of I think he was sort of he hadn't hit his he hadn't hit his stride yet because that was what summer of 04. So that was pretty cool. I got to cover a Mystics game at College Park. Because there was, I think, a Madonna concert, so they had to basically play their game at the Comcast Center. I talked to Stacy Dales and Elena Beard. Man, I'm trying to think of what else. Those were the like only on-site ones, but yeah, the charting. I remember is four color pens. It was yeah, black, red, red yeah. green, and blue. 
No, uh, I no. forgot which one's for close up and which one is for when a action happens and something else. I completely forgot what other colors. Black was a normal mundane <laughs> one, but red. I, no, I think red was close up, and I think blue was when something some crazy action happened. I remember I was covering the one where. I think Craig Biggio lost the ball in the Ivy at, at Wrigley Field, and he was trying to dig through it, and the ball was on the ground. I think that was yeah. one of my highlights. Oh, Wally Bruckner was pretty good. I, when I, uh, yeah, like I said, Wally seemed he never lost his cool. Only one time I saw him lose his cool, and you know it had to be something because Wally never yeah. lost his cool. Uh, like I said, and like it, it's funny that whole experience. George Michael, when everybody saw him on TV, that bombastic personality and all the other stuff, he was pretty late. Laid back in office. He was there with his wife, Pat, and they would be in there pretty much every day. He probably would come in, I assume, around three or so, two or three, because there were times because I, I interned and I stayed at American University. So I would walk from American University all the way to the studio. And I remember I said at one time, Jim Vance driving in with his his convertible. He was mm. like, again, another laid back personality. That was pretty cool seeing him. Yeah, like I said, my experience was like super short, but yeah, I mean, I wish I had an opportunity to do it uh, three times. I wish I could have. Yeah, I just kept calling back. I said, y'all need help? I just stayed in the office, man. I ain't had nothing else to do. I ain't had no kids. Shoot. <laughs> man, I, I would have loved to do that job. I think uh, the reason I never got into TV, I was thinking of like the superficial nature of it. you know. But then again, when you see larger people on TV now, it's like, oh, okay, now this would have worked. I wish I thought about that 15 years ago. But, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> even Al Roker had to lose weight. So, going real quick on this, I know we talked about the internships, the study sessions. We had some late night study sessions that you know, especially papers. A lot of them were probably for Doctor Gima. I can I could tell you that because we never had to worry about them in really any other class. <laughs> Maybe Doctor uh, Doctor Coolidge. Those are the only two classes I can think of. I had to write a paper last minute, and most of the times were for Doctor Gima. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I remember one time we had to pull an all-nighter for Dr. James' uh, After American Lit. Like, I think it was like her final or midterm. I think it was the final. We were up so late that day. I, I was like, we had to be up to at least like four in the morning at least. And it was it was crazy. We were all sleepy and tired. But we were all trying to cram and pass that test because we knew it was going to be a tough test. I was like, man, at that point, I was really hating that semester. I was like, dang, man, it was like, that was rough. That was the roughest study session. And then I did to pull out of all-nighters to do her papers and to do Dr. Keenan's papers and every other paper. Like, I remember they they all were bombarding me at the same time with papers. It was the crazy part. And I think we even had, um, was it uh, Mama D's class? I had to do something for her. Yeah, yeah. drama. Like, yeah, was it a speech? I know we had to do the presentation. We had to do this presentation. We had to recite it. This was the play. Had, yeah, we had to write some kind of synopsis or something. I can't. Mm-hmm. Recall. I stayed up like two, three weeks straight, like a lot of late nights, and it was unbelievable. But those those study sessions were no joke. It was always for the hardest professors, man. And it's like I studied, but it's like I hated to study. Like I hated to like sit down. Kenny would see me like when we would go out in our suite and I would just be out on the kitchen table with the books. Yeah. We had a lot of long nights out there too. Right. In our kitchen. I remember um my last semester um Earl we had study sessions that semester too and stayed up late. It yeah, was, it was like lot. pretty much all six of us. It was me, yeah. Kenny, Frank, Kilo. Uh actually yeah. no Andre was gone by then because he left in three and a half he years. He already graduated. He already moved on. Yeah. 
arena passes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, but um, I just, uh, he's a part of those things too. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like it's that Mandela effect. I was like, man, I could swear Andre was there that final semester senior year because he was gone. <laughs> yeah. well, one thing I always admired about him is he tested out of those four language classes. I wish I knew one language class. He tested out of them the first time. Man. I was always yep. amazed by that. I'm like, man, I don't think I can pass these classes if I don't even uh, take these classes. And then on top of it, I barely passed the course, even though I took the classes. So right. barely. <laughs> but yeah, I always admired that about him. But he also had those nights too. We had to pull long, long nights, and a lot of them was for the papers, which is the life of an English major. You won't get a lot of papers, and a lot is expected of you when you write those things. So, especially when we got the Dr. James classes, I did not want to mess those up because I needed those. I needed those papers, so I knew like you know that was going to help get me through if anything else went wrong with a test or anything like that. I could fall back on those papers, but the papers had to be perfect. And you know she had high standards. And the good thing is, is she did let you turn a paper in early just for feedback and then mm-hmm. give you that chance to fix it. Which uh, one time, there's one paper. It was like my final paper for her. And I'm like, I want you to look at this. I want you to look. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, no. I want you to look at this. I want you to look at it. And ended up going back. Okay, I saw a couple of things I need to change. And then when I got I got an A on the paper. I got the A on the paper because I instead of going the literary route, I went the historical route because it was talking about the migration of blacks to the north and things like that. We were talking about like a winding sheet and a few bunch of other stories. I remember that distinctly. I wish I could find that paper that she gave the A because <laughs> uh, to this day, I will remember that. And I'm like, you know what? When I actually put the effort in and I actually not, the other thing was this. We used to write it late, but the biggest thing I always forgot to proofread. Proofreading. Oh man. Proofreading. That that really comes in handy, especially like I said, once you get into journalism, proofreading is your friend. Yeah. Well, for me, it was the uh, French class. I know I don't know if Linwood was in there with me or not. I don't remember. I don't recall, but I had to actually for a final exam, we had a written and oral. So in the oral part was the one I was worried about. We had to role play like we were in a uh, restaurant. We had to speak French, ordering our food, going through appetizer, the meal, drinks, dessert, all that stuff, and, and the whole nine. So, but yeah, that that last semester, man, <laughs> where we all you know used to study and all that stuff. Sometimes at our sweet library or whatever, that was the roughest one because I had like three classes that I had to pass in order for me to graduate. Like these were like critical classes. So I'm not waiting till the last minute to take. <laughs> yeah. I always think of the last few classes I need to take. There was a statistics class where I got a D in it. I'm like, eh, D. It was a math. I just needed something. I needed to pass. The D was good enough for me. And environmental and science class, I got my ego boosted by the academic team. So I went in there and told Dr. Heath, yeah, I wasn't able to make the class. I was the academic team. He's like, we can't have somebody on the academic team not, not graduating. So he gave me like a B or a C. I'm like, I can't complain. And, I, you know, I'll admit there were some classes where I would just slack them over. I'm like, you know what? This is good enough. But when it came to the class in the major, no, you can't fool around. And honestly, I think about it. I had four of Dr. Champagne's classes. I made it through the first three. That fourth one was tough uh, for Spanish. And I was just struggling with that. But I, I got through it. So, I mean, I used to joke and say, I don't remember how I got through some of the classes at UMS or high school or probably a few other things. But I did it. <laughs> I did it in some way. Right. One of the things I was going to do was sort of like a uh, what comes to mind when you see this photo, 
But I think we'll definitely hold that on for a later episode. As we start to wrapping this up, how would you best sum up UMES? I know we talked about it a little earlier, but there's anything else you'd like to add to that whole experience at UMES? Um, like I said, man, I enjoyed my experience there. I really did. I'm grateful that I got a chance to develop good friendships with Kenny, with Dre, Frank, uh, you, Earl, um, my little boy, Mike Spreewell. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad I met y'all brothers, man, straight up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I had a, a ball, like, hanging out with all of you guys the whole time I was there. We had a lot of good times down there. We really mm-hmm. did. And, like, honestly, man, I'm glad I had roommate for Kenny because Kenny, man, like, straight up, bro, I think we were good roommates for, like, a, you know, for, like, our first year there. Like, you know what I mean? And I felt like, you know, we, we, we complimented each other really well and truly hit it off. Like, you know what I'm saying? And became friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I remember stories about people who they complain about their roommates. Like, man, I got to get away from this dude. Or, you know, girls complain about, like, yeah, I can't wait to not be her roommate anymore. I never had that issue with Kenny at all, man. I thought Kenny was mad cool. You know what I mean? Great family. Um, His family, I remember uh, Kenny's family would come down, like, on his birthdays and do things for him. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Um, his family was cool. Um, I met a lot of cool people at Eastern Shore. I really did. I had fun, you know, and I was in an environment that, that truly was good for me. I mean, like, honestly, look, I like the shore. If I could vacation down there uh, <laughs> every so often, I would. Um, I like Ocean City, to be honest, and a lot of other things. It was a cool experience for me. Um, I learned a lot. I grew a lot there. And now I didn't realize how much the lessons I learned there would impact me going forward until now. You know, back then when you're young, man, and people tell you things that go in one day and out the other. And it taught me a lot about handling responsibility, stepping up. I'm thankful for, you know, for Dr. Jima being hard on me, for Dr. Keenan being hard on me, because I knew that I knew the place now I get where they were coming from. Whereas back then, I'm just like, come on, man, give us a break. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it was just, you know, but I'm glad that they did stay on us and demand a lot of us because that's what the world demands of. And so looking back on, I'm grateful. I just didn't see it like that back then. I was just like, I just wanted to get through my classes. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to get the heck up out of school and be done with school finally. But looking back on it, I was prepared well by the English department. I look back on it, I think I had a really cool and good experience and met a lot of good people there. Yeah, I definitely um, piggyback what what Linwood said, man. Definitely um, met great people, a lot of fun fun times, a lot of funny moments. Yeah. At the room, every time... You know, we 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 uh had the suite when we was upperclassmen there, so we had the the horse landing suite. So every time somebody would come back <laughs> from a bad day or something like that, well, the good thing about our suite is I felt like like stuff would happen um to either one of me, Dre, Frank, Mike when he was there, but we all found a way to turn it into a joke when we talk about it amongst each other. It was just we all had our inside jokes, so it was like. <laughs> The way you just would not believe the stories that used to go through. <laughs> and um, those are one of the fun moments, man, just uh, just doing that and um, sharing those moments with those guys, man. And, um, you know, also like with Wood, man, he I never told him this, but he was definitely um, I kind of looked up to him, man, as far as how he took aim at his study habits and stuff like that. I used to always say to him, I'm like, man, if, if he could be putting a setting time aside to do that and get his grades, I could do that, too. So I, I used to look at him and look up to him in his study habits and stuff like that, man. So I used to try to apply myself as much as as he did. So and I think that that was one of the reasons why I got up out of it with a degree. 
And, um, you know, the parties and off-campus parties and the parties on campus, the basement parties, just good memories, man. It's just great memories when I think about it, you know, the early 2000s, man. It was definitely um, good times, great times. And I'm glad that I, I met each and every one of y'all. Earl, I, I, I think we met my, my last year in, um, in school and stuff like that. I remember, like, you used to help us out a lot. That's why I say anything you need from me, I know I, if you want me to come on, I'll come on, man. Like, I'll set time aside for you and, you know, everybody, man. So definitely appreciate uh, – um, I remember going in. I definitely appreciate you guys' friendships, man. Thank you all for the, for everything, man, memories and the fun times because we did have some good times there. Well, I was back at campus tripping with y'all, just watching NBA games and just tripping off this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um I remember that one time I was in the cl- I think it was I don't know I feel like it was you and Andre possibly at one point because I was working on a Colt 45 at one point and I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can't. Colt 45s are not my thing. As I learned in my uh, my tolerance for alcohol, I ended up being Mad Dog and Boone Farm. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, man, I'll say that before we wrap that up. Yeah, man, imagine when we thought we were something, we were drinking Mad Dog, Boone's Farm. <laughs> and we like, man, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, yeah, like I said, y'all ain't know something until y'all had some Manischewitz. Manischewitz Jewish wine. Oh, my <laughs> God. Ah, it was bad. And I, I, now I know why I don't drink wine. If every wine tastes like that, I will never. One thing I want to say, what well, you were saying, Kenny, you know what? The biggest thing is uh, the impressions you leave on people in life. Those are the most important things because the fact that you enter somebody's life, no matter for how long or how quickly, you know what? If you leave an impression good enough, I think that means the world to people. Yeah, yeah. like some long weekends, man. I mean, yeah, sometimes it was long. Some weekends were were not as eventful as others, right? But it was just the camaraderie, man, and the um the comedy that was going on out sweet that just kept my spirits up, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we we found so much stuff that just turned into an inside joke down there. It's hilarious, man. Yeah, man. Like everybody that room with us was tripping, like bro, no. really hilarious. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, straight up, really fun times. Yeah, especially Dre and Frank, man. Them two guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know Frank would always talk about uh, his class with Dr. Okafor and how he would make that face that Dr. Okafor <laughs> like Mr. Cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was, it was just a lot of fun times, man. 15 years. It's hard to believe, man. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah. 20 years since we started. In 20 years, yeah. Well, I wanted to say just before we wrap this up, any you guys got any shout outs, anything you want to promote? I know, Kenny, you do your podcast. We talked about it the last episode, but feel free to, to promote it again. Yeah, um, bar drinks and entrees, man. Um, you know, it's basically you go to a bar and, and you find yourself, you know, having a good time and good conversation with people you don't even know. And y'all talking about anything from sports to relationship, it, you know, uh, politics or whatever, you know, social issues or whatever. And uh, you find yourself having a good time eating and enjoying it. And, and that's basically what the show is about. So we're available on all streaming platforms, YouTube, Apple, Google, 
um, Spotify, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, but we available on all streaming platforms, man. And just remember to, to uh, subscribe. We on IG, Bar Drinks, and Entree. So that's it. Um, nothing for myself personally to plug, but I also wanted to vouch for uh, for Kenny's podcast. It's really cool, really dope. Um, I've watched a few episodes myself, and it is really good. They have really good discussions, really good conversations, cover a lot of relatable topics, and it's very well done. Just impressed with the work that Kenny and his crew are doing with that podcast. It's really good stuff. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem. It was great to get back in touch with both Kenny and Linwood to talk about how UMES taught them major lessons in their lives and how they continue to implement those lessons to this day. Next time, my guests will be UMES alums Victoria Robinson and Scott Johnson. The two longtime friends will discuss how they met, their bond with sports, and all the action that went on during Scott's destination wedding. As always, you can find episodes of The Sports Refuge wherever podcasts are heard, including Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Podbean, and more. Don't forget to leave a review, which we'll read on the air, in addition to subscribing and sharing the episode with anyone you think would find the episode interesting. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.